Welcome in to Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati, ready to rip it up. It's actually raining today. Weather stinks in Cincinnati, fun fact. Um, on the catch and early buzz, your boy was on Good Morning Football this morning. There Let's you freaking are. go. Shout out to the Master Gators and their support. I didn't wear the chain. I couldn't do it. I panicked at the I last one. I even brought it in today. I brought it in the chain. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then when I, I, I was like, dude, I can't. I can't. It's not It's not a part of me yet. You know, it's not a part not of me. So I yet. let a lot of people down with that. I'll be on in a couple weeks. That was a high bar to clear. I mean, you had Kyle Brandt raving. With I know. You as was it was going insane. on. It was. I mean, it was fantastic. You crushed it. Hats off to you. Quite literally here. My hat just came off. Um, <laughs> but it's high bar. I got I to gotta try to clear it. I got it. Gotta try to one up. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be able to match. So some people are some people are saying on there that I was dogging Emmanuel Sanders because I mentioned the Golden Tate comp oh, that this guy more, drafted. and I was like, yeah, he got drafted a little bit ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. But it was a callback to the earlier in the show. They were talking about who are the six receivers that got drafted ahead of you, and they mentioned Golden Tate. So I was just trying to connect the show, guys. Sorry, this is business here. It's called continuity. It was uh, it was pretty freaking sweet though. It was funny. They were uh, they were they were cool. Getting on Good Morning Football was fun. For today, going to look at the wide receiver rankings. How many do you have, have listed out? I have like twenty two. I don't know, man. It I want to add. I want to add some more to my list i have not watched guys like danny gray only a little bit of velas jones i've seen a lot some reggie robertson but i don't know where to put him uh, but I, there's some more guys i want to add to my list but i'm excited to get into these yeah. receivers well once we get down there i yeah. have a tiered they're all called the tier six man tier so yeah the just a guy tier really yeah. i mean you can get in that tier with the receivers and i the take i have on this receiver class honestly is i do think it's a bit overrated and i saw lance zierlein of nfl.com sent out a tweet he said yeah i'm gonna say i don't think this receiving class is as good as it's being billed as and and i agree i think there's a lot of high-end wide receiver twos in this class there are a lot of high-end wide receiver twos in this draft class i don't think necessarily there are legit alpha number ones like i don't think i would have any of the receivers ahead of the top three last year and jalen waddle Jamar Chase and, and uh, Devontae Smith. And this year, Drake London is my wide receiver one, spoiler alert, but there are other guys that I feel like, yeah, maybe they could be wide receiver ones, true alphas at the next level, but I honestly see a lot of high-end wide receiver twos. Yes, I think we've been banging that table ever since like the start of When Jahan Dotson was mocked in the first round. Yes, like, yes. so like we've been saying ago. that. We've been saying that the guys who are being listed as top 10 sort of wide receivers are not for my money top 10 type of picks any other year. And now I can see drafting them in the top 10 wide receivers, a very valuable position. You know, it's not, it's can see taking a chance on these guys, but I just don't think they're comparable to some top end talent from years past. But I do like the depth. Like, I do think it is deep. That's kind of a trend of late, is having deep wide receiver classes. But I think this year, more so than others, it has deep size. It has bigger wide receivers as you get into day two. Whereas we've talked about, that's not always the case. And I have this list. Whereas the smaller wide receivers are kind of day one guys. You yeah, know, like yeah. The 180-pounders <laughs> are the guys getting mocked in the first round this year. And, and I have this list tiered out, but I don't even think there's that big of gaps between the tiers I even have, right? Like, I don't think there is like a hodgepodge of receiving talent that I'll get to in like tier two and tier three once we do get to that list. Before we do, we're going to mention that this podcast, the proud sponsor, is Manscaped. And I'm pitching this to you, man, Mike. They're the presenting sponsor. Okay. What if we we got to do something live for them to keep them in season? Because it's only going through August, I believe. I think the presenting sponsorships through August. What's your take on shaving your chest hair live on oh, cam or something? I thought I was going to get a little more PG thirteen <laughs> no, than that. Not, yeah, no, but, but, yeah, no. So the, their whole tagline is 
Trust them below the waist. Why not trust them with everything else? Why don't we show them that we can bring the table here and share your chest online? I'll shave my chest. It's not a lot. No, I, I not shaved your chest. Oh, you I shaved mine? You show that other people I actually it. have a story about that. I shaved my buddy's chest hair in my buddy Frankie. You met Frankie. Yeah, He's oh, a large 350-pounder. Yeah, <laughs> I wrestled he is Frankie. a hairy man. And we shaved his chest one night uh, when he was asleep and maybe inebriated, but didn't actually shave the whole thing, just shaved a line down the middle. Oh, wow. He so we'll go maybe that. one line down the middle one and just show and maybe go first another razor. I just think the people here that watch live on YouTube want to see that. I, I honestly think that they're begging for it. So I'm going to present that to our, our sponsor's lead, Counter Price, and see if that could land us another 12 months. I'm going to go ahead and pitch that. The only true guaranteed quality pickup this season is Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Your skill position will be sleek and smooth enough for the 44 for a sub four three forty yard dash support us and head to manscaped.com and use the code pff at checkout for 20 percent off plus free shipping because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology your nicks and snags will be reduced in the season of trimming the roster manscaped will make your make sure cutting the right players and not any important pieces on your d Look, fellows, don't fall off her draft board the ladies out there think that long nose hair is a major turnoff the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is your solution why not use the best solution for the job here april is draft season but it's also testicular cancer awareness month manscaped has partnered with the Te testicular cancer society to bring awareness to testicular cancer men's health and early cancer detection get 20 percent off and free shipping with code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com at manscaped.com and use code pff turn your mr irrelevant into a first round pick with manscaped i want to turn your mr irrelevant into a first round pick on camera here secure the sponsorship long term into our wide receiver rankings you give your tier one and yeah. then i'll give my tier one we'll talk about the players that are in both my tier one is drake london USC, Jameson Williams from Alabama, and then Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Those three guys, pick your poison, but I think that's the tier one that I that I am taking in this draft. That's the guys I think that have I don't I don't want I hate the wide receiver one versus wide receiver two distinction at the NFL level. Like I think a lot of these guys can be thousand yard receivers, but those are the guys I feel most most confident about having that wide receiver one ability. My wide, my tier one, and I agree with you, I, I, two of them are in my tier one. I have Drake London as my wide receiver one. I also have my player comparison for him is Michael Thomas, actually, and I can talk about that more when I speak to you know, his specific skill set, and honestly where I think he's best utilized in the NFL. Jameson Williams is, is actually my wide receiver three in tier one, and then I have Chris Olave as my wide receiver two, which I honestly think, you know, looking at this list that I have, I think it could bite me a bit. I know that the yak production just isn't there for Chris Olave, and honestly, I was considering putting a lot as my wide receiver one I like him that much I think the concern is is he's not a difference maker after the catch what he does win though is the vertical routes down the football field good speed good polish all this stuff good hands and I really do think the cop I have for him Calvin Ridley is, is the type of receiver he can be in the NFL I don't think he'll 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 put any parlays down necessarily but I do think that he'll be a legitimate separator in the NFL and that's what matters a lot and they of the guys that I think can actually separate down the football field and win valuable routes Olave is one of my favorite receivers so again that's Drake London Chris Olave and Jamison Williams as my wide receiver one, two, and three in this tier one. Yeah, Olave for his career, nine broken tackles. 
in his career. Yeah, 176 catches. And his average yards after the catch per reception, I think, for his career is under two yards. Like, he's not a guy, again, it's very similar to Ridley. Ridley's production at Alabama and his production in the NFL is very little after the catch. It's not what he does best. What he does do, however, really high averages at the target, wins down the football field, can win mm-hmm. against off coverage. And I, I do think teams will buy into that. But when you go back to this whole phrase that we've said a thousand times, build your receiving core like a basketball court, mm-hmm. or basketball court, like a basketball team, Olave fits a skill set that I think a lot of teams don't have. Like, you can get your yak guy, I think, a little bit later. You can get uh, your bigger possession receiver that you want to feed the football. I think Olave comes in as this high-end wide receiver, too, that paired with Julio Jones, as we saw with Calvin Ridley, can be a legit 1,000, 1,200-yard type of receiver. The one guy I want to talk about, and I really like Olave. He's, he's top of my tier, too. But Jameson Williams has gotten not talked about. I mean, I guess he's gotten talked about. I, I hate policing discussion topics. You can talk about whatever the fuck you want. But Jameson Williams, if healthy – I think would have been wide receiver one in this draft class. I 100% agree. His speed on tape is just different than everyone else's. And you can, you know, say, oh, you know, we couldn't even see the field of Ohio State. Obviously, like Olave and Garrett Wilson are better. They, they've started over him. It's like that's not quite how player development works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times when guys are productive in a starting role, they're just not going to get passed up. You, you know, when a guy's already been established and he's good, it's going to take a lot for a guy to get passed up in terms of a rotation when even if the guy behind him is better. So Jameson Williams, to me, is that difference maker everyone's looking for. And that not only fast, but who said this? Who was the guy? I, I should remember who it was, but can control that speed. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys are fast, but Jameson Williams, you go back to that, you know, the, the first Georgia game, the SEC championship game, his ability to alter his speeds within his routes to lull you to sleep and then burn you down the football field is what everyone is looking for at that position. So even with the ACL, I would not be surprised if he does still come off the board as wide receiver one. I'm a huge fan of Jamison Williams. I put my notes here, moves different, like three or four different times. I think he's the best mover in this class, and that's not just speed for me, right? There are other guys that, you know, arguably could have ran faster 40 times at the combine. You know, everyone brings up Christian Watson, and you look at Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they both ran sub four threes or sub four fours, but Jamison Williams is a different mover. And again, I agree with you 1,000%. If it wasn't for the late injury, literally in his last game of the season, I don't think you're getting this discount. And I think what that is going to, what's that going to result to? Someone getting an absolute steal. I think Jameson Williams ends up coming off the board in the 12 to 17, 12 to 20 range. That is going to be a massive win for that team. I honestly don't feel he gets past the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going back to the basketball team, Mike. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jamison Williams. That is such a complimentary set or trio of wide receivers that I think could compete for best receiving core in the NFL. That's how good I think Jamison Williams is. I think my comp for him I have is Will Fuller, and some people hate that comp. Will Fuller, oh, he's got, you know, uh, doesn't have uh, the injury stuff. That's not why I'm comping him to Will Fuller. Will Fuller's speed coming out of Notre Dame was absolutely different. Also have similar arm length, yeah. similar hand sizes as well, and I have less concerns about Jamison Williams' um, you know, ability to attack the ball in his, his hands as much as I did Will Fuller coming out. So I think he's even could be a better Will Fuller when fully healthy. So Drake London, one. Chris Olave, two. Williams, three. For me, you have Drake London, one. Williams, two. And then Garrett Wilson, three. Let's talk about a little bit Drake London. Drake London I have as the the comp for me is Michael Thomas. And some people hate that comp because he's bigger than Michael Thomas. And he might run slower than Michael Thomas. I just feel that his usage in the NFL to be as successful as he can be will be this kind of power slot type of player. Now, that's not a knock on Drake London. I think Drake London can hang on the outside just as much as Michael Thomas can. But Michael Thomas still runs about 55 to 60% of his routes from the slot because that's where he's best utilized. Works the intermediate and short areas of the football field. 46% 
of Drake London's receptions in his career came within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. And he ate, right? He had a lot of success doing that. And I think having him do that in the NFL, not asking him to be a Mike Evans, right? This vertical downfield stretcher for an offense, I think is going to lead to the best production. And if you play him that way, as he was played really his entire USC career up until this last season, I think you're going to get the most productive receiver in this class. And that's why I have him as my wide receiver one. I mean, Michael Thomas is 6'3", 212 coming out. Yeah, he's big. Drake London is 6'4", 219. Those are, that's better than Julio versus Garrett Wilson. Yeah, yeah, know? fair, fair, fair. It's not that <laughs> crazy of a comp. Like, that's a big, that's a, that's a close size comp. And I like it, and I like the usage comp for him. So, yeah, Drake London's wide receiver one because highest floor to me. Same reason Aiden Hutchinson's edge one. It's you know what you're getting, and it's going to be a good player in a, good, in a certain role. Yeah. And so that's why, uh, and with even room to grow, in the more valuable areas of the position. So I, I do find myself with a lot of the players I'm high on. I think Desmond Ritter at quarterback, Aiden Hutchinson, the edge defender from Michigan, obviously, and Drake London at USC. It's that comment you made. I know what I'm getting. I know exactly what I'm getting with Drake yeah. London. I know exactly what I'm getting with Ritter, and I know what I'm getting with Hutchinson. And that has a ton of value when you know you talk to Steve Palzolo, who's a, a product manager at PFF, also creates content on the NFL podcast. He brings up time and time again, you know, all these teams are trying to do, and he works with all 32 NFL teams working on Ultimate and these other things. All these teams are looking to mitigate risk. Yeah. They want to check boxes. That's the most common expression. And when you have to project a lot of traits or project a lot of different things or project usage, it gets that much harder to do so next receiver i want to talk about is your wide receiver three my wide receiver four i garrett wilson garrett wilson for me i felt is fantastic on tape i comped into emmanuel sanders who can just cut a rug and create separation uh, you know at, at the release point and at the stem i think his footwork for me is a bit sloppy and i think what he can be in the nfl is Emmanuel Sanders. I think his he's got inefficient feet at times. I think that's where the foot fire and the dancing sometimes can be likened to like Jerry Judy type, right? Where I think Jerry Judy can be inefficient with his routes, but honestly creates separation because he's so dynamic and he's obviously better after the catch as well. I think he's one of the better yak receivers in this class behind um, uh, Williams and Burks. But Garrett Wilson, I think he can be an Emmanuel Sanders in the NFL. I think it's a very similar size and athleticism comp as well. Can we go back to where when you said cut a rug? Cut a rug? Do you say that? I hate that term. I don't uh, know what it means. <laughs> I know it's like dancing. But I think like, it's dancing. To me, it's just, I don't, I don't know why some, like some terms my, just like My, it's my opinion of it, though, is that Garrett Wilson term. on tape, I think you see a lot of you know, some freelancing footwork, okay. some inefficiency, and yeah. all that stuff. And, no, like, and, and, and there may be some concerns, too, with like him getting off press. I think you want to move him around a little bit. I think what he can be in the NFL, I still think he needs to improve a ton as a receiver, but the way he can be in the NFL is an Emmanuel Sanders type of player that like super consistent, consistently creates separation, can work yeah. on the outside and on the inside. I don't think he's there yet, and I think that's why I have him behind guys like Olave and Williams, but what he can be in the NFL is special, and I honestly do feel I'm still really high on him. I know wide receiver four has a negative connotation, but I think he's still very much so a top 20 player specifically in this class. Yes, I, I've comped him to – not. It's not really a comp, but I've said he could have a career arc very similar to Devontae Adams. And you think about Devontae Adams, I don't think he had went for over 1,000 yards until year four of his career, and then now he's the best receiver in the NFL. But, like, Devontae Adams coming out, 39.5-inch vertical, 4.51, cone, like, athleticism for days. Like, he had that it, you mm -hmm. know, the whatever it takes to become that high-end route runner. To me, Garrett Wilson is just the most talented athlete at the wide receiver position and what he can do physically. Now, why is he 183 pounds still? Why is he still struggle with press? Like there's a lot of question marks, especially considering Brian Hartline and the track record of the receivers he's had at Ohio State. That comes with that. And so 
it's not as sure a thing as to me, Drake London and what you're getting with him and Jameson Williams and what you're getting with his speed, but he's tier one because of that ability is there. And at some point, if he's, you know, puts in the work, it's going to result in elite level wide receiver play. I, I agree. You, you'd be hard pressed to find me saying he's not capable of elite end yeah. wide receiver play. And I think all these guys at the top are, I think I, like I said at the you know beginning, I think these guys have high end wide receiver to, you know, type of ability. Um, you know, a lot of these guys do let's get to your tier two here. Yes. Okay. My tier two, I would stack it like this. Chris Olave wide receiver four sky Moore, western michigan wide receiver five george pickens georgia wide receiver six and then Traylon burks arkansas wide receiver seven i like olave at four there i was going to get nervous my wide receiver two falling down your board here my my tier two is garrett wilson like i said and then i have Traylon burks at five sky Moore at six and then george pickens at seven so similar to how you see it you're a little bit lower on burks compared to that and higher on sky Moore. i guess let's start with sky Moore there your wide receiver uh six sky Moore. We've talked about him a ton. I don't want to gush too much more, but the guy is... I talked to him about him today on Good Morning Football. (laughs) The guy, I mean, some of the best hands in this draft class behind only George Pickens, actually, in terms of drop rate over the course of his career. Um, Some of the best after-the-catch ability in this draft class. Led the nation in broken tackles last year. Some of the best releases in the draft class. And yeah, competition level, you can criticize all you want, but he went up against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh last year, and he went up against... Uh, gosh, what was the other one that he won? You have against two power five teams, blanking on the other one, mm-hmm. but did not for a second look like he, he just never got caught at the line yeah. of scrimmage. Never got caught at the line of scrimmage by anyone he was going up against. And despite being Michigan was the other one, despite being short, he's not small. Like we're talking about Olave play strength concerns, Wilson play strength concerns. Talk about Jahan Dotson play strength and size concerns. He doesn't get out physical, this guy more. That is nothing that you see on his tape. So, ticks a lot of boxes in that regard. And then, obviously, is one heck of an athlete. So, I, I'm very high on him. It's just he's the kind of guy. If he had gone to Ohio State, we could be talking about him the way we're. I talking was going to say, if he you, you played know? for a Power Five program, I think we were talking yeah. about him as a legitimate first round player. Yes, and the sort of he's in that mold of the smaller school guys. Like they rarely go mm-hmm. in the first round. They just rarely do. But the you know. Greg Jennings is of the world, who was a Western Michigan Bronco himself, who just like dominate at that level of competition, but you just don't quite aren't ready to draft him in the first round because it is still a low level competition. You do and have not seen it because he is only junior, didn't get to go to the senior bowl. You mentioned a, a handful of really good things there. And I think the biggest one for me is that he's not small. He's not maybe as short as, I mean, he's tall as you want him. He's 5'9 and 5'8. And, uh, and it's pretty much 5'10. But his arms are 31 inches, which is huge for yeah. the receiver position in the NFL. His hands are over 10 inches. That matters a ton. He's 195 pounds. That matters a ton. I don't think calling him small would be unjust. I have the comp for him is Golden Tate. I think Golden Tate could stick on the outside despite being a shorter player, not small, mm-hmm. shorter player at the receiver position. He's also really good at the catch, creates separation at the release point and at the stem. Like, this is a receiver you should bet on. You should bet on Sky Moore. He's also a tough player, like a physical player. Yeah. Um, I think teams will really like him. I I'd honestly wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. Yeah. Now, there there is probably – Especially you know, with the Packers getting in the, another first-round pick um, and the Chiefs being at the back end yeah. there. Like, those are teams in need of wide receivers now. So back to my tiered list here. It's Garrett Wilson at four, my wide receiver four, then Traylon Burks at five, Sky Moore at six, and then Pickens at seven. We're flip-flopped on Burks and Pickens. I guess speak to what you see in Burks and and maybe a comparison you have for him and compare him to Pickens. So I'll start with Pickens because I got him pulled up here. And the thing about Pickens that I kind of 
I'll say underrated until I really saw all of his tape was just how good his ball skills were. And I talked about he has the lowest drop rate of any of the wide receivers in his draft class, two drops his entire college career. And the thing you didn't really like get to see is because he only ate 90 catches his entire college career. Like you really have to take it all in because he wasn't utilized, obviously misses the majority of this year until the playoffs when he was quite obviously not healthy, missed a lot of missed time his sophomore year as well, has had suspensions in the past. Like there's a lot of just not as much tape and a lot of the tape you're seeing on him is of him as a younger dude, but he just turned 21. And man, the way he attacks the football is exactly what you want from an X receiver on the outside. Like he goes, and despite being 195 pounds only, and that's obviously at six foot three, it's a little bit skinnier. Yeah. It's still within good range, but the guy plays such a physical game and has that almost Jamar Chase-esque ability where Jamar Chase isn't the biggest dude, but is as strong as an ox and is physical and you're not getting the better of him. And no corner was getting better of Pickens in terms of like that hip-to-hip leverage battle. He was out-leveraging you consistently on the outside and just didn't have the sort of talent around him at the quarterback position to get him the ball consistently over the course of his career. So, yeah, I think Pickens could have been Tier 1, would have been Tier 1 if he plays a full healthy season this past year, just didn't have that. Yeah, I think the stat is over 55% of his receptions he – earned in his true freshman season there at Georgia. You just haven't seen a lot. The, the, the reps is something that concerns me a ton. I think some of the slight frame as well, the cop I have for him is Tyrell Williams, who I think had a lot of success early in his career. I think it was at like Western Colorado or one of those schools, but he was a phenomenal receiver for the Chargers. Has fallen off due to injury of late. I don't think that's the that's not the reason I'm making that comparison, but it's more the type of player that he can be. I like Pickens a lot. I like Burks a lot. I still see Burks as a little bit better than Pickens. I thought I'd flip-flop them. Ultimately, I've comped him to LaVisca Chanel Jr. Plus. He is, in my opinion, Burks. Burks is what we thought LaVisca was going to be. Yeah. Right? Like, LaVisca, you, we thought, oh, man, he's so explosive. He's rocked up. He could do so much after the catch. And I think he can learn the receiver position. And I think he can win on the outside. And he could run the route tree on the outside. You never saw it at Colorado. You know how many receptions uh, LaVisca Chanel Jr. had? True outside receiver, 40 plus yard, yeah. 20 plus yards downfield? Two. Traylon Burks had 11 this past season because he won as an outside receiver in the SEC. Now, some of those reps were against some low-level competition that, yeah, did play in the SEC. But still, you saw more of it than you did see at LaVisca at Colorado. So it was high as we were on LaVisca, I think we should be that high on Burks because I do think that's the type of player he's going to be, like what we thought LaVisca Chenault Jr. could be, which again, you can debate what value that is, but I think you play him in the slot. I talked to Sam Pittman, the head coach of uh, for Arkansas last, yesterday. He said that's his best role, play him in the slot, and when you see an opportunity to impress, call a go. You know, He said to me, it's so many of those go balls who say, if we saw cover zero, which we saw a lot of, we were throwing a go ball to Traylon Burks, and we're usually going to work you know, 10 times out of 10. So I think, I think him playing in the slot, I think he's going to have success. Well, I think the ultimate difference between those two is – in terms of like projectable mm -hmm. to the NFL. And I still believe in LaVisca having a role uh, in the offense this upcoming year for the Jaguars. Jalen Burks has a bigger wingspan than even Drake London. Wow. Like when you're yeah. looking at targets over the middle of the field, the size wingspan aspect comes into play massively. Like he is a glory, he can be a tight end in your offense, honestly, truthfully, with like the size or usage wise in what he does because of that wingspan, because he's so reliable on, on balls outside his frame. I liked LaVisca's ball skills. I, I didn't think he would drop as many balls as he has so far mm -hmm. in the NFL, and a lot of that's probably a confidence uh, sort of thing that's been on his tape with the Jaguars. But even still, I, I like Traylon Burks' ball skills better 
projecting to the league in terms of what he can do. I do think LaVisca's probably better after the catch, but you're probably getting a more reliable over-the-middle-of-the-field receiver in Traylon Burks. So that's Tier 1, that's Tier 2. On to Tier 3. Before you give your Tier 3, I'll go ahead and read mine. My Tier 3 is Jahan Dotson is the wide receiver 8 in this class. I then have... Alec Pierce, the University of Cincinnati receiver, is my wide receiver nine. Then Justin Ross, and then Jalen Tolbert. Pretty much all of the bigger receivers and Jahan Dotson that have legitimate ball skills. I think the reason Dotson is ahead of Pierce, Ross, and Tolbert is I'm buying into just his ability to attack the ball. Like he is a outstanding mm-hmm. ball catcher. I mean, out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like your mommy. Stop. I I think that. On tape, you don't see a lot of opportunities where he's in true one-on-one situations yeah. where you can see him like, you know, stick and separate and stuff. But working the slot against a lot of off-zone coverage, and then also working on the outside against a lot of off-zone coverage, you saw a lot of success. I think Dotson is a player that I'm willing to bet on. Not ahead of a lot of these other guys. Obviously, still down there at my wide receiver eight, but still the ball skills I'm going to bet on. I think he's good after the catch as well. I think he ultimately could outproduce where I have him ranked compared to some of these receivers. But I think Dotson to start is 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 my top receiver in this tier three. See with. Dotson, there's just not a, there's not a great track record for there guys really isn't. with that. That's the thing. It's to me, he's Kendall Wright-ish, mm. where it's he's not dynamic enough to get by in his pure dynamism. Like he is, he, he is a dynamic dude, but is not to the level of a Sky Moore, to the level of a Garrett Wilson. Like he's not. No. that he's not fast enough you to want get... him to be though right when you're watching yeah. his tape don't you want him to be yeah. because he's got this like kind of spectacular jump ability i think he attacks the ball well and like there's so many times yeah. where i'm like man he is dynamic and then you compare him to a more you know sky more of western michigan or garrett wilson yeah. you're right john dotson 15 broken tackles on 143 catches the past two years that's not a good rate like 20 percent is a good rate for wide receivers. I've written an article about the threshold of guys who meet 20% that are drafted in the first three rounds versus guys who don't meet the 20% threshold in the first three rounds. And it's three times the hit rate in terms of thousand yard receivers for guys who break that 20% threshold. So you want to be a little bit more dynamic in terms of after catch ability than Jahan Dotson has been. Not quite fast enough to be a pure speed guy at 4-4-3 mm-hmm. coming out of the combine when it was a pumped up 4-4-3 with everyone blazing at the combine. And then at 178 pounds, you're kind of just limited to the slot. Like he is not a physical specimen in terms of like the game he plays on the outside. So kind of tweener in a lot of ways. I still think he's very good. I still think he could be a reliable slot option, but it's what's his high end. Kendall Wright had 1000 yard season Mm -hmm. over the course of his career after being a first rounder. I think that's kind of where I could see Jahan Dotson falling once he gets to the league. So you have Jalen Tolbert as your top receiver yeah. in this tier three, the South Alabama receiver. Um, get, talk about that. Tolbert is interesting because not a guy recruited out of Mobile. So he's from Mobile, mm-hmm. not re- highly recruited, obviously goes to South Alabama. And then even at South Alabama, goes from redshirt year to 60 yards as a redshirt freshman, 520 yards as a redshirt sophomore. It was his redshirt junior that he finally breaks 1,000 yards. He finally breaks out. And then this pasture is basically unguardable on tape. Like, it, I, I don't know where his sort of physical development came or this, what uh, his, you know, learning curve or developmental curve is like. It's a, it's a rare one to have success at the NFL level. But he also has the size, the wingspan, the deep ability, the speed. Like, he ticks a lot of the boxes that you do like to see when you get to the NFL level. And for my money, he was the most impressive receiver in the one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl. So... A lot to like. I just wish he was a true junior coming out. If he was a true junior coming out, we could talk about him as like a first rounder, but the age factor to me is still an issue. Um, like I said, a lot to like. The speed, the size, the ball skills, the downfield ability, 
after the catch ability too, but just is an older prospect coming out 23 years old. I mean, older prospect, right? And you mentioned the speeds, and I think it's good speed, but it's not elite speed, yeah. right? Six foot one, one kind of like a above average athlete in pretty much like every regard, but not an elite athlete in any yeah. way. And so when you see an above average athlete, but not an elite athlete, obviously dominating the group of five level, you question like, uh-huh. you question like, okay, six foot, six foot one, 194. One five four ten yard split in the four four nine four yard dash. That's an above average athlete. That's in the sixtieth percentile. But are you going to see him against better competition? Obviously, in the NFL, light it up. And at the Senior Bowl, I think there was reason to buy into that. And I think that's why he ultimately is like a third round type of player because he just wins. He just wins at South Alabama. He won uh, in the Senior Bowl. I, I, I'm not high on him in this tier two, but I, I do have him in tier three. He was a diced up one ninety four though. I will say, mm-hmm. in terms of all the guys seeing him at up close at the Senior Bowl, he had probably the least body fat on him. That that guy could have. Like he could have put on 10 more pounds and still not looked like fat by any means. So two receivers that you have in your tier three uh, left here is John Mechie, the Alabama wideout, and then Christian Watson, North Dakota state, who you are significantly lower on Watson than a lot of media right now. I am too. I don't even have him in this tier, but talk about Mechie and then Watson. I think Mechie's kind of gotten slept on for, I mean, similar reasons to what I said about James Williams. Like when you tear your ACL, it's tough to go really go to bat for a guy Mm -hmm. because you don't know what he's going to come back and be like. But he is, he's kind of the mold of the Alabama receivers that we've come to expect over the past handful of years. Crafty as can be as a route runner. I, th- I thought he put on some good weight this past year at Alabama, got stronger, got featured more in like the screen game, and you saw it, and went from five broken tackles in 2020 as a sophomore to 20 broken tackles in 2021 as a junior. So got featured in that more. I, I think he can play that role at the NFL level. I just don't see speed on his tape I, I don't think he is a high end like at 511 195 which is what he was listed at, at Alabama you better have some downfield ability I think he's more of like a four five guy yeah and, and that's not awful but I think that's going to make him struggle to be a complete a guy that you're going to trust as an ex sort of outside wide receiver so I still trust the route running ability but he may be more of a slot at the next level do you hate this comp? I kind of see this player, though. Okay. Thailand Wallace, the guy who recently came out of Oklahoma State, where, like, the tape was really good, crafty route runner. He's good ball. You know, he catches the I, ball. I, really. thought it was, I didn't think Tyler Wallace was near the route runner that John Mechie. Really? You think Mechie's yeah. a lot better? I yeah. kind of like the Wallace comp. 5'11", 187. We haven't seen him test, obviously. Also, only 30 and 5 inch in arms. Anytime you're getting under the 31s, into the 30s, concerns there Con- to consistently play outside receiver in the NFL. Let's talk Watson. Watson is in my tier four all by himself as the wide receiver 12 in this class you have him i think just above that in your tier three but christian watson the comparison i have for him is chris conley really good athlete really good size you turn on the north dakota state tape and it looks like a high school game Mm -hmm. like he is burning corners by he had created on multiple routes like 14 16 yards of separation and it's because these guys are so bad. He's going against terrible cornerbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And he's creating a lot of separation. He's winning down the football field. He's objectively the best athlete, at least the fastest player on the football field. His quarterback is also awful. Watch the North, watch the North Dakota State tape and tell me and that quarterback's lines. not bad. But North Dakota State tape is phenomenal, right? He's creating separation down the field. The worry I have immediately is the ball skills. Guy is not attacking the ball well. There's a route where he, where he runs, I think it's like an 8 to 10 yard out and like really brings the ball into the back of his, you know, catches it here rather than catching it out in front. It lets the receiver get a little bit more of a contested situation. And you go back to the senior bowl, right? Okay, what about when he went against better competition at the senior bowl? I think overall, there wasn't a lot of top-end corners at the senior bowl. And this, and if you go back and watch every route, and I watch every route he ran at the senior bowl, the cornerbacks he went 
went up against weren't that good. Yeah. I mean, it was going against more small school corners, yeah. and you just really didn't. <laughs> that yeah. was actually the funny part about it. It's like he comes from a small school to go there to then face other guys. Who was who that are... corner he faced the most? Yes. It was the guy in the purple helmet from like yeah, yeah. a Wichita State or something, and he's dusting him because he's like five foot four. But I have not seen tape where Christian Watson want is going against top flight corners and. I worry about his ball skills a ton. It's why I have the comparison to Chris Conley, a really good athlete, not great ball skills, and that's ultimately why Conley never really developed above what yeah. you're kind of expecting of him as an athlete. Yeah, and he's a very good athlete, but, like, not a polished route runner by any means. We're not mm -hmm. talking about, like, he got by on the athleticism because the level of competition, he didn't have to, like, refine his routes. He didn't have to do anything over and above expected as a route runner. And so to put numbers to these ball skills that we're talking about, 13.3% career drop rate for his career. I just said career twice. But mm -hmm. I think only Josh Johnson from Tulsa had a worse rate in this draft class and of, like, any guys who are real prospects. And not just that, 12 of 40 in contested situations for his career. So not only bad, that, that suggests, like, attacking the ball, he is not doing it correctly. 12 of 40 at his size against the competition he's playing against, 30% rate for his career, that should be like 50 to 60 at minimum for a guy six foot four, 208. So those are concerning things. And those even showed up at the senior bowl when he did have to make contested catches. It did not look like yeah. the Traylon Burks of the world, the George Pickens of the world, the Drake London's of the world. So that's why people are saying first round for this guy. I'm, I push back a little because there is a lot of development still to be had for Christian Watson. All right, the other receivers that were in this tier for me, but not in this tier for you, we'll probably talk about him later, were Alec Pierce. I had him as my wide receiver nine. I comped him to DJ Chark. I think he's a really Cincinnati, explosive player, the University of Cincinnati wide receiver. I think he's better than Watson. I think some people have Watson ahead of Pierce. I think Pierce is better. I worry a little bit about the route tree. I, I, he did not run a lot of different routes at Cincinnati, but I will say he was alone. Like, the Cincinnati receivers were bad outside of Alec Pierce, and he won a lot of contested catch situations way more than Christian Watson did. And the other receiver I have in this tier is Justin Ross. I think Justin Ross yeah. is getting slept on a little bit. It's similar to Pickens in that we saw a lot of his best production as a true freshman there for Clemson, and it hasn't been there since due to injuries. But comp I have for him, Tim Patrick. I think he's a smooth route runner, attacks the ball well. I think he's just this guy that's good at everything that I do think in that tier three, I, I like him as a, as a round three, round four guy. Okay. Let me talk about Alec Pierce. Get okay. to my tier. He's in my tier four. He's in my next tier. And he's very interesting to me because the athleticism, you know, he goes to the combine, 4440, 40-inch vertical, 41 inch vertical, excuse me, 10 9 broad jump, like elite explosiveness for a six foot three, 211 pound receiver, 33 inch arms. Like he looks prototype from a straight line perspective. But then you go back and you, know, you kind of start to go back and look at the tape, and, and it shows up that, that like when he gets a step on dudes to stack them in a heartbeat, he does it. He can get on top of you if you let him. But I keep going back to he is at the University of Cincinnati playing Murray State. Miami of Ohio, UCF, Temple. He's, he's playing this low level of competition. And in 14 games, he had 873 yards with a first-round quarterback. If you are, like, if, and as a senior, mm -hmm. if, if you are that dude at that level of competition, you should be putting up 1,500. If you have that big of a physical advantage and, and the things that he struggles with, contact, resetting, re-like, 
avoiding it in, in the first place, like getting guys to not get their hands on him. And then once he is contacted, actually playing through that contact and still maintaining his speed, he really, really struggled with. And he is just not dynamic whatsoever. When he tried to shake guys, make guys miss, it just it does not happen. So those are big worries to me. And again, I think that shows just in the production. If he was the guy who was capable of that, had that, had that ability to him at to any degree, he would have gotten pump screens. He would have been the featured in that offense, but he wasn't. And to me, that's probably the most glaring indictment of him um, is just that 873 yards in 14 games with the first round quarterback throwing it to him. All righty. On to our, should we move to the tier five now? The tier five of this is kind of where we're at. Well, mine was tier four. Oh, mine was tier four. But my tier five is Christian Watson by himself. I think guess we can get, <laughs> we can get into tier, tier, to your tier four, which okay. is. Calvin ahead. Austin from Memphis. So where, what wide receiver number are we at here? That's getting down to wide receiver 12. Mm-hmm. Calvin Austin from Memphis. 13 is Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. 14 is Justin Ross from Clemson. 15 is Romeo Dubs from Nevada. 16 is Kyle Phillips from UCLA. And then 17 is Khalil Shakir from Boise State. Calvin Austin is probably the most interesting receiver in this class to me because he's a a freak Mm -hmm. athletically. His acceleration once he gets the ball in his hands is the best in this draft class. And he's the best pure gadget guy, but he is 5'8", 170. But unlike... So, so 4-3-2 at the combine, 11-3 broad jump, 4-0-7 shuttle, 39-inch vertical, all of it. All elite, as good an athlete as you'll see at 5-8-170. But unlike most 5-8-170 guys, he spent 93% of his routes from the outside last year. 93% of his routes. Or excuse me, 90.5% of his routes. That, he was not a slot guy. He was not getting pumped yeah. these fake targets. He had to win down the football field. He had to win one-on-one a lot. And went for still 1145 yards eight touchdowns a lot of explosive catches on tape but still seven of 25 in contested catches this year nine of 27 like he is not tyreek hill in terms of what he can do physically at the catch point he might he may look it in terms of what he is athletically he is he is a close replica of that elite athleticism but the ball skills and the sort of the tacking nature that Tyreek Hill plays with I don't quite see with Calvin Austin so it's a difficult mold to be able to overcome at that size but I do still think that he deserves a little bit more love in this draft class and I could see him being like a second round sort of pick in this year because of that I I have in my in my tier I guess five this is John Mechie wide receiver 13 we talked about him I have Khalil Shakir uh, the Boise State wide receiver actually comp to Christian Kirk and then Calvin Austin Jr. and then Bo Melton we'll talk a little Bo Melton I think Bo Melton's going to be one of my guys this year I do like Bo Melton a lot the Rutgers wide out but for Calvin Austin the comp I have for him is Jakeem Grant Jakeem, mm-hmm. I mean that's the type of that's the type of athletic yes. ability he has yeah, that's yeah. the type of size he has and I think you're going to use him that way you know as much as he ran 90 percent of his routes on the outside at Memphis I, I just don't see that happening in the NFL right I think the comparable from a height perspective and where he could ultimately go should be closer to what we thought with Rondell Moore, right? This is group of five Rondell Moore. He has had that production there at Memphis. He has that athletic ability and the size is still a concern. That size is going to be so much of a concern that I do think it pushes him down as like this slot only tight in the NFL, but because he did have success on the outside for Memphis, maybe you do start to consider him as more than that. He is going to be someone that people bet on though, because you just, you don't find those type of athletes, regardless of how big he is. You just don't find those type of athletes say, you know, after day after day two that's for sure so uh how, how what's your what's your opinion of Khalil Shakir I had him as my wide receiver 14. okay Shakir uh, he has some serious drop issues 
on his tape has had them pretty consistently over 10% career drop rate for him, but also makes some spectacular contested catches. To me, I'm not a massive fan because he is a slot only. And while I like him as a route runner, I don't think he is all that dynamic of an athlete. Um, so a slot only who's not particularly dynamic as an athlete to me is just like, and doesn't have a massive frame, obviously sub 30 inch arms, not a huge catch radius sort of guy. I just, that's a limited player in my opinion. And so I have Kyle Phillips as the, as the probably top like true slot receiver in this draft class, a guy who, you know, you're not ever going to really play on the outside. And I, that's how I feel about Shakir. Um, like Jahan Dotson, I, I think you could get by with him on the outside, but like Kyle Phillips isn't going to play anywhere else but the slot, the UCLA wide receiver. But I think he can do it very, very well. Six seven five three comb, four point oh nine short shuttle. Those are the numbers you want to see for a guy who's going to survive there. Very gifted route runner, and to me, just a little bit more reliable a receiver over the course of his career, and, and similar sort of route running chops to a Khalil Shakir. I don't have Kyle Phillips in this tier. I actually have him a little bit lower. I'm not as high on, on Kyle Phillips. He's the guy who had the touchdown against Stingley this year, Kyle Phillips did. Oh, wow. That okay. was the Stingley. He also was talking a lot. Was he at the Senior Bowl? He was or? at the Shrine Bowl. He was talking a lot of smack at the Shrine Bowl. That guy's a chirper for sure. Yeah. So going out of my tier here of Mechie, Shakir, Austin, Melton, Melton, the finish with Melton, I think Bo Melton is getting slept on. Former four-star recruit legitimate athlete, 4-3 speed, yeah. from Jersey, had offers to go to bigger schools than Rutgers, right? Had offers to Michigan and other bigger schools. He decides to stay in Jersey, go to Rutgers. He's going to be on tomorrow's podcast. I interviewed him after I ranked him as wide wide receiver 16. Cop I have for him is Eddie Royal. I think he can play in the slot and have a ton of success. He told me teams see him as this slot type that can offer speed. And I also think he has more polish to his game than some of the other receivers in this class. That's for damn sure. So, Bo Melton, I think, is going to be one of my guys that on day three, I think you're investing in a slot receiver that can have legitimate production early on. Yeah, so I I, I put him in, put him in tier five. We'll get to that in a little bit. What exactly all goes on in that tier? But I, I think I love the athlete. You, you see the acceleration on his tape. I do just the thing about him was on tape. I saw I don't want to say a more raw guy, but like a guy who still was like figuring it out as a route runner. And then he goes to senior bowl and looked very different. Yeah, that almost. The who was the Baylor wide receiver, Denzel Mims ish sort of difference between his tape at Baylor and then his tape at the Senior Bowl when he kind of got to freestyle a little bit more and get after it in that regard. So I, I go back and forth, and because of that, he makes my tier five. But I, I can see being high in him because of the athleticism is certainly there for a guy like Bo Melton. On to my, I think now tier six, which is interesting. I, I put David Bell and Romeo Dubs in the same tier. Comps for both Tandon Doss for David Bell and then Richard Higgins for Romeo Dubs. I, David Bell, the athlete, is not great. And are you going to play him with slot because can't really create on the separate? Like, that's why I see the Doss comparison. He's a bigger bide receiver that's slow and unathletic that has good ball skills. Like, he can attack the ball. Good ball skills in contested catch situations, but you're still not, like, raving about this guy like you are Dotson's ball skills, who I think has some of the best ball skills in this class. And as for Dubs, I just didn't see an elite anything. Right, I think he did create separation there at Nevada. I thought he had some success, but like going back to the Senior Bowl, looked way slower than you want to see your receiver look. Couldn't struggle to create separation on the outside, even where Watson was. So I, I, I don't love either of those receivers. I see them better than some of the other types I have below. I'll, I'll kind of finish out my rankings here. Wandell Robinson, the really short, short-armed. Uh, Kentucky wideout. Then I have Kyle Phillips, like you said, the UCLA receiver, Josh Johnson of Tulsa, Kevin Austin Jr. of Notre Dame. And then to close us out, Javon Heli is, I think, could get further down our list. The Coastal Carolina receiver. 
receiver if I watch some more receivers, but that is kind of the roundout I have on my list. I guess start with the yep. two I mentioned, yeah. David Bell, Romeo Dubs. Yeah, so I, I'll talk about those, and I'll throw in Justin Ross into that mix too because I think they all have athleticism concerns. Bell is just, to me, below the threshold of like athlete that you want. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't think he'll. I don't care how crafty you are, and how physical you are, ball skills, whatever. Like, he's just not. He's moves. He just doesn't have the juice. He yeah. doesn't have the juice, in my opinion, to go to the NFL level and still be able to produce anywhere close to the level he did in college. And now, he is a young guy, junior coming out, twenty-one years old, but four six five forty. 33-inch vertical, 9-10 broad jump, 4-5-7 shuttle, 7-1-4-3 cone. None of those numbers above the 27th percentile for a wide receiver. And he, it's not like he's 6-5-225. He is 6-1-2-12. So great production, but the tape just – it never showed that. It never yeah. showed any sort of that. So Justin Ross, he's in a similar boat of not that – athletic but he is six foot four 205 and probably after you know missing the sort of time he did the developmental time with that neck injury probably can still get bigger has the frame to get up to like 215 220 and be that sort of power forward at that position that can get by if you're not an athlete but his testing similarly concerning four six four forty a one seven six ten split which is the worst we've ever seen actually for a wide receiver nine eight broad jump 32 inch vertical those are kind of yikes numbers um, but I still think he actually got off the line a little bit better than David Bell did. And then Romeo Dubs, he actually hasn't tested pre-draft. On tape, he has more juice than the other two guys. Like, he's separated down the football field better. But I, the, I will agree, the senior bowl was concerning. Now, some of it did come after. I think he actually what, did get hurt early on in the senior bowl, and that's why he has not tested, played through it that week of practice, has not tested since because of an injury. But 6'2", 201, I think he gets off the line really well for a guy – on the taller side for a wide receiver, has a big catch radius. But again, level competition was weak. He was beating up bad guys and then goes to the senior bowl and doesn't quite look the same. So those were all concerning numbers for me, but I still keep him in the tier four, somewhere outside the top 100, just outside the top 100, going to end up on the PFF draft board because I still think on tape was fairly solid. What do you make of Kevin Austin Jr.? Okay, let me, yeah, let me get to my tier five. So the okay. tier five, I called it the flawed tier of these guys have something to offer that's where david bell ending, ended up because i would really like david bell's ball skills really like him after the catch but he's flawed in that he's not a good athlete kevin austin's kind of the complete opposite of david bell in that his tape is very mad like nothing to get excited about really whatsoever like no there's no I like double checked that we had so we i was watching the cut up of kevin austin knowing that he's this athlete and i double checked that i was watching the right guy because you don't, you don't yes. see any of that explosiveness yes. or any of that wow power. I don't even know what that is. Wow power. Wow. But I got it. I, 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 don't, I just don't see it on his tape. Yeah, I mean, he tested out similarly in terms of, like, explosive testing to Alec Pierce and doesn't look anything like that. You never saw him stack guys on tape, like get off the line of scrimmage and then really just get on top of them and run away. Never, despite going 4-4-3 four, four, at 200 pounds at the combine. So – that's all very odd to me. So he's in the flawed tier. Wandale Robinson from Kentucky's in the flawed tier because the shortest arm, just tiny, tiny catch radius for a guy that that matters once you get to the NFL. You're going to have to make plays outside your frame. I struggle to see him as much more than ever being a gadget player. I threw Tyquan Thornton, the fastest man at the combine, 
the Baylor wide receiver into this tier because, my Lord, in a straight line, insane. But he couldn't even be productive down the football field at Baylor. You know, he wasn't even putting yeah. up deep numbers at Baylor. Small hands, but he's 6'2 with 33-inch arms. But he's also 181 pounds, like a weird frame, 4'2", 840, 10'10 broad jump, 37-inch vertical. But then he goes 7'2", 5'3", cone, a 4'3", 9' shuttle. Like, the dude can't turn to save his life. So he is a pure straight line guy, similar kind of projection-wise to what you're hoping. is like an Anthony Schwartz coming out last year out of Auburn that you're just praying that that's – you're just using him as a pure speed guy. And – don't think he'll ever be too much more than that. I threw Bo Melton into this tier for previous re reasons previously stated, and I also threw Josh Johnson into this tier, the Tulsa wide receiver who I love his ability to get it open, but he runs 4-6-2. I think his shake and the ability to make you miss, he had a play against Ohio State. That was one of the most insane reps. I can't remember the exact defender, but the defender is about a foot from him at a standstill and doesn't even touch him. They're both at a standstill and does not even touch Josh Johnson. It was an insane rep. He has the movement skills that like you cannot coach, but he is another guy with disastrous hands and not just, not just 13% drop rate for his career, which is pretty rough, but every catch he does make is hitting his chest is a body catch yeah. every single time, which is only going to lead to more drops at the NFL level when guys are throwing rockets into you. So very much worry about I, his I ball I feel like skills. you'd like my comp. This is a deep cut. My comp for Josh Johnson is someone I really liked coming out of Florida State. I thought I just loved how he could get open. He was a consistent producer for them. Rashad Green Sr. Ran really slow, was really small. I don't know if you watched Rashad Green coming out, but he, he I think he got drafted by the Jags at some point um, and never really panned out in the NFL. But, like, his, watch. his tape was awesome. And he, like, consistently created separation. But he was a skinny dude and didn't run fast. And, and honestly, I think you saw that show <laughs> in the NFL. And then that's, that's kind of it in terms of we got the Mets here that I would throw Eric Uzakama, Uzakama from uh, Texas Tech, Makai Polk from Mississippi State, Javon Hiley from Coast Carolina, Reggie Roberson from SMU, Velas Jones from Tennessee, who's 27 years old, Charleston Rambo from Miami, Jalen Naylor from Michigan State, who we talked about, and then Danny Gray from SMU as well. So those are your tiers. That's how I would stack it up. Should we do some superlatives? Let's get for this to draft the class? superlatives. Best deep threat, route runner, releases after the catch, at the catch point, hands, athlete, slot, and gadget player. Let's do it. Best deep threat. No real debate. I guess there probably could be a debate here, but Jameson Williams, when healthy, it's it, wasn't, close. it wasn't close last yeah. year. It really wasn't close. Best route runner to me is Chris Olave. My guy. Your guy. I do think he is probably the best route runner. I, I would consider some other names for this, but Olave, four years pedigree, and even as a sophomore when he first really broke on the scene, he was a very talented route runner. So him, best releases. This one, I wasn't sure exactly where to go. Ooh, but the guy I said Sky I like Moore it, from, I like it. from Western Michigan, he never got got. Like, if, if you never get got, and now it is Western Michigan tape still, it's hard for me to really say anyone else because pretty much everyone else, even like some of the top end guys in this class, would get got at some point. And now he didn't face, you know, he didn't face uh, Sauce Gardner. He, he didn't face the top end corner. So still holding off on that, but you watch his cutups and then I'm not sure there's a lot of people that would be jamming him. So he's that best release or excuse me, that was best releases best after the catch. I went Calvin Austin from Memphis. I, I pushed back a little bit there. I think Calvin okay. Austin's phenomenal after the catch. I think the other guys that we should bring up here though, are Jamison Williams and, and Traylon Burks. I think okay. both those guys are phenomenal after the catch too. Burks is, I think going to be used so much 
near the line of scrimmage in mm-hmm. the NFL because of what he can do after catching the explosiveness and the tackle breaking ability. And with Williams, I mean, he has similar yak production as Ruggs did coming out. And I remember Ruggs, people raved about what he could do after the catch and what he could do if you use him at that short and intermediate level. I think Austin's great too, but I think honorable mentions at the least should be Williams and Burks. Yes. Uh, Williams, Burks, uh, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, all tremendous after the catch. All, all kind of like different in the way they win too after the catch even like drake london is very good after the catch in like the way he wins physically so there's a lot of guys who are good i went calvin austin because i think he can actually one break tackles as well as really hit home runs like you get him with the crease and he is like i said right up there with the fastest receivers in this draft class so hotly debated that one but i went calvin austin best at the catch point this being like contested catches playing through physicality that sort of thing I went Drake London, and then I kind of hedged by saying best hands is George Pickens. Mm-hmm. And we said, why? George Pickens, lowest drop rate. Love his hands. He, there was a, if you've not seen the one-handed catch, he made in practice. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I have seen it. Out of this world. There's a, so many sideline catches specifically, yeah. and I wonder if we could add a superlative of a best like sideline catcher. His <laughs> sideline catches are insane. He yeah. is really good at keeping his feet in bounds. There's so many times where even if he's like just missing his feet in bounds, he makes a lot of really impressive snags. He, I, I like him for best hands. Yeah, the more I really like watched his ball skills, the more I'm like, you know what? This guy could end up a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. It's pretty insane. So he is the best hands, freakiest athlete. This one was just pure testing. Christian Watson was an all-time athlete for the wide receiver position. It was an all-time combine. All-time combine. You know, 11 4 broad jump, was it? Um, 4 3 seven, 40. Uh, he is a freak of nature at 6 foot 4. And that's why, you know, you're getting first-round sort of hype for him best slot Ray said this it's Kyle Phillips um, of UCLA I just think he is very crafty has that slot feel that you want at the position and you may never be more it's not gonna ever be more than that I don't think and I don't think you're gonna expect more than that but if, you, if that's a role in your offense <laughs> Patriots um, <laughs> Josh McDaniel yeah but that's something that they'll covet best gadget player I went back to Calvin Austin for this because there's not a lot of gadgets. This isn't a gadgety class like last year's was, but he's probably the best in this. I agree. I think I agree. I think best slot, I think there will be a handful of that compete for that, right? I think a lot of the gates, I mean, depends on where you use Drake London and, and Traylon Burks, right? If you see these guys moving in the slot at a high yeah. level, I think those guys could ultimately be the best slot. But it's it's an interesting receiver class. I'm, I'm excited to see how it all pans out, but also really adamant that I don't think it is chock full of future wide receiver ones. I think it's a lot of guys that can stick it out as wide receiver twos or second options in an offense. I think that's going to do it, man. I don't think we have time for the delete the tweet generational prospect bracket. Do you want to try and squeeze it in? Let's, let's squeeze it in. All right, can, delete the tweet. Through. I purposely did not include a tweet on this because on Monday, it was not great. I did not. Yeah, or Tuesday, you kind of got I, your, I kind of got, got, got your delete I, the I put myself on a, in a body bag a little bit. I think okay. we have to slow down and then delete yeah. your tweets. What is this one? Okay, so this was because we're doing the cornerbacks in the generational prospect bracket. So I went with cornerback take that has not aged great. And I even kind of said it though. I said, I don't want to overact to preseason, but Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander look like home runs so far. Mm. 2018, August 25th, 645 likes. Got the people going. And then Josh Jackson might be out of the NFL here soon. Josh Jackson, I was doing some research today on Derek Stingley because his pro day was today and people are reacting to that. But he has the single highest graded season of any power five cornerback in the history of pff college he had 
ball production that year. Yeah. Days. What is that? Like 19 pass breakups, like seven picks or something. That's so year. much of what those production grades are, right? Yeah. It's getting your hands on the ball and all that stuff. I think Kobe Bryant graded better than Ahmad Gardner for that reason this past year because of that ball production. But uh, on to cornerback generational prospects. Generational prospects, cornerback position. Okay. So, go ahead. So we've done this. We actually skipped one week, but we do this every week where we go through the top ranked cornerback from every year that we're doing this. Eight years have been great in college football projecting the nfl and pit them against each other to reign the generational prospect of the pff era cornerback position first year we didn't have anyone really high in the mock draft we did so we didn't have a bracket the first year aboard the first year jalen collins lsu the guy who got suspended for steroids i believe mm-hmm. out of the nfl already was 27th he had some weird off-field issues though he was 27th on that mock draft jalen ramsey the next year 2016 was the third ranked player on our board marshawn Lattimore, 2017 the fourth-ranked player on our draft board, Josh Jackson, RIP. Uh, maybe I probably shouldn't say that, but was the eighth-ranked player on <laughs> the draft board in that. 2018. <laughs> Byron Murphy, sixth-ranked player in 2019. I love Byron Murphy. Still good. Out. He was good last year. Yeah. He had a good year. Jeffrey Okuda was the fourth-ranked player in 2020. Hopefully his Achilles is back healthy this year because he was actually looking good prior to that. Patrick Sertan, 13th-ranked player in 2021. And then Derek Stingley Jr., the third-ranked player after his pro day today when he went 4-4. With his weird ass 38 and a half inch vertical and 10 2 broad jump. We didn't talk about that on the catch and early buzz, but his vertical, so he looked like he was just going through the motions with with his broad jump and his 40, but his vertical, go back and watch that video of him doing his vertical. He doesn't do any wind up really. He just. Kind of just jumps. Bunnies up. He's just like stand there and it's just like all of a sudden he goes. And he goes 38 inches. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it looks like he's flying. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. He, he looks effortless. It was an effortless athlete. 38 inches. He's it was insane. Interesting athlete for sure. But All right. So Collins versus Stingley. We're leaning Stingley, obviously. Dear. That's not even a question. Jalen Ramsey versus Sertan in round one. Could this Tough. get Sertan Dude, off already? The right side of the bracket. So we're looking at it here. You guys can't see it. But the right side of the bracket is Jalen Ramsey, Pat Sertan, Marshawn Lattimore, and Jeffrey Akuda, just from how the years sh- shook out to where. That's a murderous row. That is. But to me, it's got to be Jalen Ramsey. Really? Sertan was awesome, though. But I, I, it sucks awesome. to see Sertan go out in round one. Jalen Ramsey was versatile already in college. Like, mm-hmm. he played outside one year. I believe his last year he ended up playing the slot, or was it the year prior to his last year? But he had, he had already played multiple positions, graded out exceedingly well at all of them. True junior coming out, elite athlete testing-wise, had just shown a bunch on tape at Florida State to where, you know, it was his sophomore year he played slot. Goes – so, okay, he started at safety, then the slot, then the corner, graded out elite at every single one of them. And that's where we're like, all right, this guy is a monster. And, well, he has been. So, Jalen Ramsey, I think, takes that one. I don't get – I will be really, really surprised if Akuda doesn't pan out, man. Yeah, I'm really, really surprised. I know we're going to talk more about Akuda, but Ramsey, I, I think that's yeah. fair. I think Sertan, though, Sertan versus – Jalen Collins would have won that first round matchup. Oh, he would have won a lot of yeah, matchups. Yeah, he would have won a lot of matchups. So now the next one is Akuda versus Lattimore. Akuda versus Lattimore is a tough one because Lattimore was a one-year wonder. He came out um, in twenty was that 2017 with fewer than 1,000 snaps to his name. He had not played a ton of football. And even his last year, 678 career snaps, only one year as a starter. But that year, the lone year as a starter, he allowed 226 yards. 40 targets, 18 catches he allowed in his final year of college. And on those 40 targets, he had nine pass breakups and four interceptions. Insane ball production. I was like, it runs a 4.36 at six foot 190. I was just like, 
I don't know how the guy didn't see the field until he did, but he was so damn good that last year. That was just could excuse away any sort of, you know, needing to see guys for a longer period of time. I think he was more dominant as peak than Akuda, so I lean Lattimore, but I could see going Akuda too for the multiple years of production. I, I'd probably lean Akuda, even though yeah. I think it'd be I think it'd be revisionist to say Lattimore because I think Akuda we were so high on Akuda. And then you go back, I was looking up. His so they were both fourth on our draft board, mm-hmm. I will say. So we were they were both right up there. I think part of it too is I wasn't really here for the Lattimore year, okay. so I wasn't really like you know grinding it. But go back to Okuda's measurables. Yeah, he had the biggest wingspan, Dude, biggest hands. It was six foot one, two hundred five, with thirty two and five eighth inch arms and seventy eight five eighth wingspan. Like built in a legitimate lab to play the position. Yeah. Great production in a man heavy scheme. I, I I think we lean Okuda here. All right, I'm going Okuda. Last first-round matchup, we got Josh Jackson versus Byron Murphy. Oh, wow. I, I was never that high on Jackson. I know you were. I was higher on Murphy in, uh, than I would be on Jackson. I was actually higher on Denzel Ward that year than Josh Jackson. Sam Monson was pumping the Josh Jackson train. Uh-oh. So you're blaming, that was before you're blaming, I had draft You're blaming control. Sam for Josh Jackson. I am, actually. But, I mean, I still love Josh Jackson. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, eschewing. Eschewing. I always fuck that word up. Responsibility here altogether. But I would have gone Denzel Ward in that year. So you're leaning Murphy. I'm leaning Byron Murphy, but I can – Murphy was sixth on the draft board. Josh Jackson was eighth. So the draft board would say Byron Murphy. So we're going to go lean Byron Murphy here. Next matchup is Stingley – Derek Stingley versus Byron Murphy. We don't even have to debate that one. Yeah. Derek Stingley. And then Jalen Ramsey versus Jeffrey Okuda. Ramsey. It's a debate, but I don't think it's that much of a debate. It's Jalen Ramsey. Now this one's the one where I could see – Derek Stingley, like, he could have been a better prospect than Jalen yeah, Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, but it's, I don't a com- think, I don't think be, it's a competition now. I don't think you – I think you'd be out of your mind to take any other prospect, though, even if you're higher on Sauce Gardner, who is excellent all three years, over Jalen Ramsey as a prospect. I, I still – still to this day cannot believe Ezekiel Elliott went ahead of Jalen Ramsey in that year's draft. I can't either. All time, like, even at the time, I, I said the Cowboys have to be running in the car. I tweeted, they have to be running in the car for Ramsey, right? Then after they did, I said the Jaguars have to run the card for Ramsey, right? Jaguars did it. Do you think the Cowboys, having now paid Ezekiel Elliott as much as they have, would rather have had Ramsey or Zeke? It's a good question, right? What do you think? Well, that's up for debate. I mean, Zeke was up there. Did he make the finals of the running back uh, prospect bracket? I, I don't think. I think he might. No. He lost, uh, he lost to Dalvin Cook in the Fair. second round. So we're going we're gonna to lean Jalen Ramsey as your generational cornerback prospect. You love to see it. I love that exercise. It has been fun. Until next time, tomorrow, we got Bo Melton join the show. That's going to be pretty sweet. And I think we go on to offensive line. Offensive line rankings is where we got to hit now. Mark. Yes, yes. Let's go offensive line rankings when we go tomorrow. Thanks for everyone. Appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as we continue to press forward here. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, tailgate.